Welcome to the Cracked Pots podcast. I'm Pastor Rebecca. And I'm Pastor Chad. Joseph. Matthew. Mark. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and... Well, it's John. I mean, for just throwing out word association names. <laughs> yeah, so Matthew's gospel jumps right in with Joseph, which, hey, I mean... what's kind of interesting to me that I didn't even mention in my sermon, I don't think, um, is this idea that throughout throughout Scripture, women very much take a back seat. Like, it is what it is. Like, women are not often lifted up in Scripture. Yet Mary, for good reason, is is exalted in scripture and Joseph is kind of a footnote and yeah. it's just it's just kind of in, like like that is interesting to me because he disappears after this like you know, right you know in Luke's gospel he's still around when Jesus is like 12 but after that yeah once he's in adulthood you never hear about Joseph ever again which other than, it, other than they say isn't this the carpenter's son right right so it's like I mean I I don't get the impression that Joseph is the deadbeat dad that skips out. Because if you're going to skip out, you do it at the beginning, right? Oh, right, you're pregnant. Right. He, had his, he had good. He had good right. reason to skip out. Right. Right out of the, <laughs> right out of the gate was his was his exit. That was yep. his off ramp. Yep. And he didn't take it. So I don't think this is this is the that is Joseph is a is a deadbeat that that skips out on on Jesus. I just think it he's just kind of for whatever reason. Well, odds are he was considerably older. Yeah. And um, probably, like I said, probably was dead by the time that Jesus reached 30 years old. Because even if he was, um, you know, let's say 30 when he and Mary got married or something like that, um, at 60, you know, you're, you're... uh, life expectancy back then was not awesome. So, I mean, it could have been anything. It could have been, um, you know, just a life expectancy kind of thing. It could have been an accident. It could have been, yeah. who knows? Who knows? We just know Joseph is no longer part of the story. Yeah, it, it's, it's, like I said, it's, it's interesting. Yeah. Yeah, he just kind of disappears. And we, we don't know why. Right. But because there's there's no explanation given of whatever happened to Joseph. It would be interesting. Like and and I, I don't know this admittedly, in other um pieces of writing from the times, you know, is there more of an explanation of not Joseph? To my knowledge, no. Yeah, like, I, I don't I'm not familiar with it. Yeah. Um I know like we get some stuff from Josephus and, and people like that, but like I, well, and I mean, there's, there's, there's non-canonical works and stuff, but even right. those don't really deal with that, to the best of my knowledge. I mean, I'm, I'm obviously not aware of every piece of probably um, non-canonical uh, early Christian or Jewish literature that's out there that gives backstories and that kind of stuff that just never made it in. But to, like I said, to the best of my knowledge, not there. I mean, some of those stories have stories of Jesus, like, you know, 
making birds come back from the dead and killing his friends and bringing his kids, his friends back from the dead. Right. You know, kind of those things. But uh, as far as what happened to Joseph, no clue. There's no mythology behind it. Poof gone. Just poof gone. Well, and, and the part, of, you know, I did talk about my sermon. The reality is if, if Joseph, you know, sort of points out Mary as a hussy, and she's unfaithful, and she's pregnant, and it ain't mine, and we didn't do that, you know, that thing. Mm-hmm. Um, Mary's done. Yeah. Now, we see through Scripture and know that God will find a way, and I think God would have found a way, but the reality is, like, we, the, the story is drastically different if Joseph doesn't react in the way he reacted to, to the dream. Correct. Drastically different. And it's interesting if, you know, we don't, if we were to, only two of the Gospels have birth narratives. Which is also weird. And so it's kind of one of those things where, Let's say you didn't have Matthew, you didn't, and and you didn't have Luke, and and let's face it, those are two very different birth narratives. Yep. They they don't exactly jive real well. Which what is the what are we doing this year? Is it Matthew? No, we always do Luke because Luke has the angels and the choirs of angels and the shepherds and all that kind of stuff. So hmm. we almost always every year your Christmas see- Eve, your Christmas Eve is going to be the Luke. It seems weird that in a narrative lectionary where you have a Matthew, a Mark, a Luke, and a John year, that in the Matt year, because we're, we're going into the book of Matthew, that Matthew is not the book that, that just doesn't make sense to me. Well, and like I said, I think it's primarily because the, the Matthew text is a lot darker. Yeah. It, 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 it has a decidedly more... Um, imperial, is that a good way, feel to it, a, um, a, a dark kind of almost they're, <laughs> they're hunted <laughs> kind of feel to it. Yeah, you get, the, you get the magi in this one, you know, in the Matthew version of it, um, but you don't get the, the story of the there's no room at the inn and, and all of that kind of stuff. It's it's a much like I said. It's it's the Matthew's gospel is the Herods after them, um, and they have to to flee kind of thing. Whereas Luke's gospel again, it, it's it, for lack of a better term, I guess maybe it's a softer. It's the angels showing up and and talking to the to the shepherds who are out in their fields and. Um, yeah, like I said, it's just, it's a different, it's a, it's a totally different feel. And part of it is because it's from a different perspective. You know, like we've noticed, Matthew's gospel focuses on Joseph in terms of the birth narrative. It's from Joseph's perspective primarily. Um, what happens with Joseph, how Joseph responds, et cetera, et cetera. Luke's gospel is the gospel where you get the, uh, the Annunciation uh, the Magnificat, you get, yep. you know, it's, that's all Mary. Good so, Mary music. Good Mary music. 
There's no good Jesus, Joseph music. Well, apparently there's a lullaby you found out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's okay. Um, but yeah, you don't, you don't, um, yeah, it, like I said, it's a completely different, different perspective from the standpoint of, you know, you get the, the Zechariah and the, and again, it's, it becomes much more a miraculous kind of story in terms of it continues the theme of the barren woman in terms of Elizabeth, who is like the matriarchs. She's like Sarah and Rebecca and Rachel, who could not have kids. Right. And then she's able to have kids. And Mary kind of stands as sort of the antithesis of that, you know, all, all the matriarchs face this problem, and then comes Mary, who, you know, Holy Spirit gives her a child. She's not, even, <laughs> you know, she's not um, uh, facing that that same issue, that same problem. But it's still an issue because she may not be barren, but she is pregnant and not married. So I kind of get it. She goes to go see good old cousin Elizabeth, you know, going, okay, what's going on here? <laughs> this is, this is, this is weird. Um, you're pregnant when you shouldn't be. I'm pregnant when I shouldn't be. What's going on? And again, it, it highlights God as the, the true author of, of life from the standpoint of making life where life should not be. I, I also, I, I often struggle, no I don't, I always struggle with um, hearing God's voice um, or interpreting what are signs from God. And this is something that comes up in confirmation all the time. Oh, I'm sure. Right? Because we want to know, like, how do we know it's, how do we know this is God? How do we, and it's, a, it's a legitimate question. Yeah. How do we know like, it's God and not my own like weird yeah. musings. Yeah. Um, how do, it was God telling me to do this? And, and I mean, that's a constant question. So, you know, so Joseph in a dream, you know, I dream a lot about, I dream about a lot of weird stuff. Oh yeah. I'm not going to talk about my dreams. My dreams are whacked. And it's like, they're crazy. Well, how do you know that those dreams are, are from God? Like it, it's, well, and I have contradictory dreams. Like, I'll have dreams about one thing one time, and then I'll have something where the exact opposite issue is, is going on in another. So, you know, which way do you follow? <laughs> you know, like, well, this tell me what to do. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean. Yeah. Yeah. Now, so, uh, so strangely enough, I do actually believe in people do, that do have legitimate, that, that are dreamers. Um, one of my best friends from seminary. She, so her um, senior pastor she worked with killed himself. And he did, he, he had gone to some wedding in another city and bought a gun and then went to his hotel room and at this one point in the night, decided to shoot himself in the chest. 
she woke up in the middle of the night at the exact same time as he did that, screaming in pain, thinking she was having a heart attack because she, was, she just had this horrible, horrible pain in her chest. Yeah. And it lasted about an hour. And her, like, her husband was getting dressed and was like, I'm taking you to the hospital because I don't know what's wrong. And then it suddenly just kind of went away. And then they found out, he, and I mean, I don't want to get too graphic, but he used a 22, which is why it took an hour. Yeah. Um, but later, like in the next weeks and months, she continually had these dreams where he was coming and talking to her and having conversations and whatever. And she was mad. I mean, she was so mad at him. <laughs> um, and, you know, he was just kind of taking her anger and, and, and whatever. But, I th you know, I guess I just, I know so many people. And, and it's a lot of times it's a loved one that comes to visit, some, you know, right. when you've had that kind of a, uh, loss, you, you, you get the stories of them coming and visiting them in a dream and basically saying, you know, I'm okay. It's all good. And I don't know, there's just so much of that that, and again, I, I kind of link it to this story of my friend who, I, I, I don't think there's a coincidence that she woke up screaming in the middle of the night with chest pain for an hour at the exact same time. Right. I mean, oh, I think there was, there, was, there was some kind of connection there yep. um, that was going on. And so I do. I, 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 I think those things exist. I think there are some people that are just more in tune to it, some part of our brain that gets, and, but it's not all of us. Well, and the, the question that always comes from, the, the, so then the follow-up question always comes from com, like confirmation students. Why doesn't God talk to me? Why, why do I not hear God's voice? Or why do I not have a dream where God is coming to me? Does God not love me? Is God not connected to me? Am I not called? Am I not, you know, good enough? Am I not worthy? I chalk it up to spiritual gifts, and we all have different gifts. Right, which is agreed. And, and also it still leaves room for that question of, well, why not me? Right. No, like, I get because it. Because that seems like that would be something of, of importance that if I'm, so I'm a person of faith and I'm struggling with something and I'm praying and I'm asking God, why does, why does God not come to me in a dream? Why does God not answer me directly? Like, like I think those are legitimate questions or struggles for people um you, you know so i get it and those are all absolutely legitimate kind of questions for me and my experience and i realize this isn't going to be everybody's experience because we all have it this different god doesn't talk to me a lot i i can name i think about three times in my life where i've i've felt god specifically saying do this kind of thing and those three times have been for lack of a better term very clear and very 
I knew that that was what I needed to do. Um, the first was when it was time to leave Los Angeles. Yep. I mean, it was such an immediate, just abrupt kind of, this is what you need to do, that literally the next day I walked in and quit my job and was like, now, he didn't let me, my, my boss didn't let me quit. I wound up telecommuting from Nebraska because, you know, weird God things. <laughs> but, you know, it was one of those, it was just, okay, this is what I'm going to do, and I'm going to move forward in faith that this is what, what needs to happen. Um, and, and I realized, you know, looking back now, part of that was I needed to get out of L.A. I needed to go back to Nebraska because Nebraska is then where I kind of got reconnected with church that put me on the path three years later to then be visiting a seminary and was still like, I don't know, this is, I'm not sure this is for me, went to visit the seminary and sat there and then in the middle of one of the classes was just, there was just this overwhelming sense of this is where you belong. This is where you're supposed to be. Yeah. And I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. Sold my house, quit my job, <laughs> and again moved, and, and, and then went to seminary. And it's just, you know, you have those, those moments. Those uh, moments happen, but not always when you expect them to. Right. A and I think also, you know, maybe... Or when you want them to. And that's where I was going. And maybe not even when you want them to. Like, sometimes it, there's an inconvenience to God speaking, and, and, and again... Are we willing, for, so for me it becomes, are you willing to listen whatever the answer is? Right. Because sometimes God speaks in fashions that, like, okay, that's great, but I don't want to do that. Well, that's what God's calling you to. Well, yeah, but I don't want to do that. Well, and, and the other thing, God's persistent. Like, God is faster than we are. God is more persistent. And, you know, God Look, look at, we just traveled through the entire Old, not the entire Old Testament, we traveled through the Old Testament, and we see this repeated pattern of God being persistent in chasing down the relationship with God's people. God consistent, and, and God, God still... God's the faithful one. <laughs> right. God still does that today. God still chases down over and over and over to, to, in relationship. And it's, it's remarkable given our, how bad we suck sometimes. Like, that God still chases after us. Like, no, no, it's okay. I, 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 I know. I know you're not perfect. I know you've made mistakes. And I still am chasing after you to be in that is That is incredibly humbling. Because from a human perspective, eventually their relationships, a lot of times we just give up on. That we just go, you know what, I just cannot have a relationship with this person because they're toxic or they're whatever, and I just, I can't, I can't do it. Um, it's not healthy, it's not good, it's not, <laughs> you know, all those kinds of things. And having those, and having those boundaries are important for your own self-care and things like that. And it's hard to talk to people about having those boundaries and saying you need to have those boundaries when God really doesn't draw those boundaries. No. And if we're supposed to be more like God, you know, well, then maybe. And it's like, well, but there's a huge difference. He's God and you're not. <laughs> right. Um, th that human can actually hurt you in a way that they cannot hurt God. Um, and it's, 
but but it's hard to kind of wrap your mind around the fact that 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 God is the one who will not give up. Yeah. Because I mean, if you just look at how over and over again we do terrible things. Um, well, it, it, and, it, it may, it may and I'm not even talking like individually. I do bad things, you know. Yeah. It's it's just collectively we 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 do bad things to each other. Well, and and, and maybe maybe that's part of part of Joseph Joseph's journey. Like Joseph does the unthinkable. Joseph yeah. doesn't dismiss Mary and throw her under the proverbial bus. Well, and you know I always talked about this back when um, I did some preaching on Christmas and stuff, is I always talked about how just completely scandalous the whole story is. Yep. And that, you know, this is... <laughs> this is not something that would have been approved, let me tell you, by your, your very conservative religious folks. You yep. know, had they gotten wind of what, what went on here kind of thing. Yep. It... it it would not have gone over. And she likely would have been shunned, you know. Even with Joseph marrying her, if they had known that she was pregnant before that happened. Yep. That would have been, mm-mm. Yeah. So there's a, there's a huge scandal that's, that, that is in just his, his conception and let alone birth and the, the scandal then of just God in general becoming <laughs> a human being um, and how blasphemous that can sound yep. to, to many who do not believe that any God could ever do that. I get, I get why this, this is an unbelievable thing for many who view God as such a holy... And, and let's face it, even early Christians had a hard time with how do we view Jesus? Yeah. Because, you know, if he was going around doing human things, that dirty's got up a little. God gets messy. Yeah. Always. Um, you know, in Jesus, if you know, he's fully human, guess what? He's going to the bathroom and he's <laughs> you know, he's he's doing all the things that, that well, I, I, I love... The human body does. You know, I kind of I love haha, you know. So I'm looking at, looking at the nativity in worship, and it's mm -hmm. all clean and, like, yeah. like, they're in a stable and they just gave birth. In a cave, like, most likely. Yeah. You're going you're gonna to find this out when you go to Israel. You get to, you get to actually kind of go and see what was a likely type of birthplace that, that they were staying in. But it's like And the, it is not your picturesque <laughs> I've been I've been in the delivery room for my two daughters and was in the operating room. Camden was emergency C section. Um, and was in the room so I was in the room for all three of my children's births. There ain't nothing clean about that. Nope. It's, 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 it's beautiful and a miracle, and it still baffles my mind how that all even happens. But it, the one thing it is absolutely not is clean. Yeah. Like, but I mean, it, I, it's, I it's, love it's, even the mythology around, oh, well, Jesus didn't cry. And I'm like, eh, 
Oh, who cares if he does? Well, I'm just like I'm pretty sure he did. Right. (laughs) So, so Jesus is fully human, but doesn't. doesn't Yeah, but doesn't do the Uh, human things. Yeah, it's like no, that's that's not how that works. Um, But that I mean, but that becomes a uh, you know a point of contention for some people of. Well, if he was, and a lot of the early heresies were about how human Jesus was versus how spiritual of a being he was kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and a lot of church fights over, over the nature of Jesus and, and his divine. And in fact, the very first church schism was over um, Jesus' natures and how it was defined. I mean, of all the things we want to get uptight about, um, this seemed to me one of the more ridiculous ones, but at the same time, that's your first church schism that gives way to what's called the Oriental Orthodox Church that is going to be your Coptic Church, um, your Ethiopian Opian Church, your, um, your, I think it's Syrian, you know, a lot of those churches that kind of broke away and, you know, initially in around 400-something at the... Council of Chalcedon. There's some fun trivia for you. <laughs> and they, and, and the fight was over. So do we say Jesus was made up of two natures, divine and humid, and they just kind of mingled together in some way in, inside of Jesus? Or was Jesus both just completely fully human, fully divine, all of that, you know, and, and they, they fought over that. And I'm like, really, you're going to split over, like, trying to figure out something you can't really figure out? <laughs> well, we got to, I mean, as a church, we got to fight about something. I guess. Um, but, you know, that one just kind of, I was like, wow, that's, wow. Um, but, you know, here we are. 2,000 years later, pretty much, that, that schism still exists. Um, and interestingly, in art, what you will see is in Western art, you when you see like icons and stuff, you see the saints and you'll see Jesus holding up two fingers. And if you go like look at Coptic art and st- that kind of stuff, he holds up one finger. One I thought finger. it was there's two outs or there's one out. No. One nature versus two natures. So two outs, two outs. No, one two nature outs. versus two, two nature. So, hmm. yeah, isn't that fun? And you're probably sitting there going, why on earth does she know any of that? <laughs> Not only are you a Bible nerd, but you're also artsy-fartsy. So, like, I had... Well, I'm artsy-fartsy, I'm also history, and right. I went to Egypt right. when I was in I, seminary. No, I... I, so I, I, didn't, I got to study the Coptic church. There's some things I question for, I spend zero time questioning, and you bringing that up, is, I didn't yeah. even like bat an eye. I didn't even <laughs> flinch. <laughs> like, man, why does she know this? I don't know. It doesn't yeah. matter. <laughs> I'm sticking with there's two outs. <laughs> two outs, bottom of the ninth, two outs. So, anyway. Yeah, I mean, that it's, but. That, that scandal of his birth, the scandal of the incarnation, the scandal of, of, of everything that really surrounds Christmas. Yeah, and we, we get to talk more scandal throughout the gospel. Yep. Which I, 
I, I, I always find it funny because I, I, we've both heard that people are relieved that, we, that, we, that we're jumping into the Gospels now. And I'm like, do you not get it? Like, did, you, did you not get that this doesn't get easier? It's not easier. <laughs> like, <laughs> Jesus calls us to all kind, the same stuff that the prophets do. The, Jesus you know, likes to quote the prophets a lot. <laughs> those prophets that you didn't like, those things that made you rich in your seat and made you uncomfortable, well, Jesus is the embodiment of that and does those things. And guess what, people? He calls you to do it too. Yeah. So, I mean, I, 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 I do kind of find it funny that, you know, we take comfort in the Gospels. And, and don't hear that as though, you know, Jesus isn't comforting, you know, those things. Jesus does provide comfort. And also, Jesus provides huge, huge, huge challenges to... Comforts the afflicted and afflicts the right, comfortable. Right. So, I mean, I just, I just find that kind of funny that, you know, we find comfort in the Gospels that challenge us, but we don't find comfort in the Old Testament, particularly the prophets, that challenge us. Yeah, and, and I think part of the, that challenge is because, for lack of a better term, I, I really think sometimes, especially in Lutheran theology, we have maybe watered down what the Gospel is Oh, it's oh, it's it's water. It's yeah. all water. And and, and to, to us, the gospel message became. I mean, for a very long time, for me, the whole gospel message was sim- very simply: um, you don't go to hell. Jesus died. You don't have to go to hell. Right. Yeah. And yes, and yeah. We just don't do the end. We'd say yes. Right, and and it's just kind of like, well, okay. <laughs> The more, I guess, the deeper and the more I've gotten into my faith as I've, you know, aged and, and, and studied and learned and listened to other people, because part of it is when that's what you grow up with, you just kind of take it for granted and, oh, okay, that's it. And, and I think I've mentioned this before, part, part of what really made, kind of gave me sort of an eye-opening thing is that for some people, that doesn't matter. They're yeah. like, so? I, my, my, interestingly, my sister-in-law was an atheist when my brother married her. And we had some interesting conversations while I was in seminary. And one of the things that she said, she's like, well, who would want to live forever? She goes, who would want eternal life? And, you know, you don't think about that, but for some people, that notion is not good news. <laughs> Right. Because when you're, you're thinking about, well, this existence kind of sometimes isn't awesome. Why would I want that to go on forever? Right. So resurrection of the dead to keep living life as it is, is absolutely not good news For to some people. Some people. No thanks. Yeah, that's not good news to some people. And that kind of had to reorient me a little bit to, ooh, so what is the good news here? And, and the, the understanding that, yes, resurrection of the dead, but there, there, that resurrection has to include a, a complete shift and change in reality. 
and, and way of being and how we, we exist and function. And if, you know, we're all going to be resurrected living together, we gotta, something's got to change in how we live together. And, and that becomes, I think, the, the real challenge as, quote, kingdom people of how do we bring as much of what God wills and desires into this world before... Jesus comes back and like brings the whole thing fully. You know, that just, it's, it's a struggle. We get to struggle with it for a couple of months. <laughs> I can't wait. <laughs> yeah, fun times, fun times. So anyway. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas, everybody. Uh, and that's just what we're going to go ahead and end on. We're going to end on Merry Christmas because um, that's what we'll be doing this weekend is Merry Christmas Eve. If you're listening to this before, Mary, before Christmas, remember we have, and you are like in the area, we have uh, three Christmas Eve services at four, a traditional, six, a contemporary, 11, a traditional, and then we have a Christmas Day service for, of lessons and carols where your PJs appropriate PJs um, or ugly Christmas sweater or whatever. Which apparently is salacious, but hey, whatever. Just show you know, up. Get over it. Guy doesn't care. It's fun. <laughs> it's fun. And so if it's scandalous, guess what? <laughs> so is the first Christmas. <laughs> don't make your pajamas scandalous. Let's just clear. <laughs> don't wear those kinds of, yeah, don't wear it scandalous. <laughs> don't take it there. Good Lord. All right. Anyway, Merry Christmas. We'll talk to you later. Bye, everybody. Bye.